Father in heaven, we've come now to the time of the preaching of the word. I simply ask that you will do what you need to do in the preacher, for the preacher, for your members. In Jesus' name, amen. United States White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki announced in April of 2021, almost a year ago, that a buildup of Russian troops on the Ukrainian border was the largest since 2014 when Russia annexed Crimea, a peninsula along the northern east of the Black Sea in Eastern Europe. Crimea has a population of 2.4 million people, and Putin simply took it and made it part of Russia. That fact is important because of what I'm going to say next. But before I go any further, I would like them to put my sermon title on the screen. I don't have the clicker, and you can just put the scripture reading there again, and we'll be fine. I want to speak on the subject today, being blind in clear light. Being blind in clear light. Thank you so much. Being blind in clear light. In our text that was so well read by Christopher, our resident saxophonist, from a different version, and I'll read from my version today. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 1 through 4. And those in the congregation, if you don't mind, it's an opportunity for me to hear how you sound. So if we can read it together, that would be fine. If your voice is cracking or croaking or it's still early in the morning, you're going to be lost in the number of us that are here. So let's go. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to what? Wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, what everybody scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. Finally, they will say what? Where is this coming? He promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Thank you so much. You read very, very well. Putin in 2014 annexed Crimea 
nothing happened. And now, the buildup that Jan Saki talked about that started in April of 2021 intensified until February 24, 2022 when Russia began its invasion of Ukraine. What is remarkable is just how many people, including Vladimir Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, just how many people, including him, did not believe that Putin would have invaded. First, it was 10,000 troops on the border. Then it grew exponentially to 140,000 troops. But in spite, Elder Young, of what was visible in clear light, there was apparent blindness. Many, including the leaders of NATO, were still saying that Putin would not invade. The United States President Joe Biden was the only one that was saying Russia is going to invade Ukraine. What is even more remarkable is that many Ukrainians themselves did not bother to stock up food or water, choosing rather to believe there would not be an invasion. Being blind in clear light. In this clear light, they did make themselves blind in spite of the evidence they still could not see. It reminds me of the person we worship, our Savior, Jesus Christ. He declared, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Whether it is police brutality, political uprisings, racism, sexism, fires, earthquakes, mudslides, unfair redistricting, and gerrymandering, one thing is crystal clear. The answer to man's problems do not lie with man. The goal of this message today is to help us to recalibrate Elder Michael, to refocus and to put our hope in the second coming of Jesus Christ.
Nonetheless, I suspect that just as it was in Peter's day, with scoffers on every hand, so it is even today. In 1942, General Douglas MacArthur was forced to leave the Philippines before the Japanese conquered the islands. As he left, his famous words were, I will return. Many doubted whether or not this general would be able to keep his promise. But in the fall of 1944, two years later, he did return. He returned in power and defeated the Japanese army, retaking the Philippines just as he said he would. Many doubted the general, but he was true to his word. Well, over 2,000 years ago, one greater than the general made the promise of all promises when he said, let not your heart be troubled. He believed in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there he may be also. Many doubted the truth of his promise. Then many doubted it in Peter's day. And I declare to us today, maybe just a reminder, even to our virtual audience, that many in the world are still doubting that promise today. Peter had to deal with a doubting crowd. Today, let me spend the moment giving three points on 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 through 4. The first one is, Peter was writing, as we read the scripture, it was his second letter on the same subject. Jude 18 also made a reference to the people's attitude about the coming of Christ. Paul, the apostles, and many preachers since have been preaching, Jesus is coming again. And sometimes we behave just like the people in Peter's day whereby we may not, we may not publicly doubt anything, but the very way we carry ourselves, our focus may suggest that we doubt that Jesus will come again. His coming, point number one, is doubted even today. 
A scoffer is one who mocks Christ, ridicules the things of God, and opposes the gospel. Don't want to call anybody's name, but I can think of Bill Maher, who is a well-known atheist and laughs. And some of us support his disposition by watching his shows. But he believes this whole thing is nonsensical. Mocks God. But both Peter and Jude were warning against false teachers who were intent of leading others astray. In other words, in the doubting business, we're not talking about the Belmares of the world. We're talking about religious people who may doubt by the way they conduct their lives, their character. They make fun of the Word of God. How do Christians make fun of the Word of God? We bring our own meaning to the word to make it fit what we want to do. We engage not in exogesis. We're not taken out of the word. We engage in eisegesis. We put into the word. We try to make the word fit what we wanted to say. By the way, let me say, this is not a message looking at Russia and trying to bring some prophecy. As a church, we are guilty of trying to find prophecy in everything. 9-11, there were those bringing on the Bible to show prophecy. If there's a mudslide, there's a prophecy. All I'm saying to us today is that sometimes we can display we are doubting God by the way we mock him with his word. Sometimes the pronouncement of God is just fuel for another joke. We not only mock God by our characters, but by our conduct. In the light of the second coming of Christ, we refuse to change behaviors that are inconsistent with that of Christ. And we complain. We complain, well, wait a minute. Ever since our fathers fell asleep, We've been hearing about the coming of Christ. And he hasn't returned as yet. And so the complaint is, Jesus is not coming again. Well, we may doubt all we want. God is still in control. Now let me emphasize this a little bit this way. Last week... What is the name of that guy came out of retirement? Pat Robertson. He came out of retirement to say that God, we can be very presumptuous. He came out of retirement to say that God was the one who is leading Putin to invade Ukraine. So as to bring about God's end of the world. It's like the devil saying it was God who put it in Judas's heart to betray Jesus. Robertson said 
God is leading Putin. Now, let me just make this very clear. We know that God is in control because he's supreme. But God also has given man free will. And God does not, the fact that something is happening doesn't mean it was orchestrated by God. Try to imagine, by the way, in a similar fashion, when Jews were losing their lives to the gas chamber, some Christians were saying it was God who was moving on Hitler because the Jews rejected Christ. Is that the God you serve? That a woman would be placed on a bed and someone would take his, uh, a knife, a scalpel, and cut her open without any anesthesia just to see how she can bear pain before she passes out? People were saying it was God. We need to be careful when we invoke God when we should be saying is the devil. So many are doubting his second coming. And here was Putin on the border 140,000 troops, hospitals, blood banks, and yet. The very people were saying, nothing is going to happen. Are we guilty of the same thing? We can see all the events of the world, but we keep saying, Jesus isn't coming because it's been a long time. Well, what does the word say? Not only is his coming doubted, his coming is determined. Verse 5 says in 2 Peter 3, For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water in the water, whereby the world was, that was then being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Peter reminds us that the critics, critics back then were willingly, that's the word, ignorant. That's what the Bible says. They were willingly ignorant. In other words, they refused to acknowledge the very information that was before them. They had a very limited vision of God. God is in control. That is why we can sit here today just from the physics of it. If the earth was any closer to the sun, we would be burned up. If the earth was any further from the sun, we would freeze to death. God is in control. He's a God of precision. The fact that he's given man free will and man displays and demonstrates that he doesn't care for God just tells me how good God is. Because when you say you don't believe in God, God can shut you up. That's a good God. That he allows us to jump in his face, even when 
we are speaking blasphemy. So his coming is doubted, and his com- but his coming is determined. How do I know that? Revelation 1.7 says, Behold, he cometh what? With clouds. And some eyes will see him. Is that what the Bible says? It says what? And every eye will see him. And they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Now I want to emphasize that word wail. Wail is not just crying. It's a different type of cry. Have you ever seen somebody lose a loved one? Like a child? And they wail? It's hard to even fathom their pain. John says on the Isle of Patmos that every eye shall see Jesus and they will wail. It's an agony. So we should never doubt that his coming is determined. Peter's whole point is this. Man willfully ignores the truth so that he can continue to do as he pleases. But his coming is determined. I'm going to say something now that may be difficult for some of you to embrace, but that's me. I'm a plain speaker. All of us have been conditioned to believe something. The last time I checked, they told me that God has some attributes. One of them is he's omnipotent. What does that mean? Or powerful. Another one is he's omnipresent. What does that mean? He's everywhere at the same time. Another one is he's omniscient. What does that mean? He knows everything. And another attribute of Christ, of God, is that he is immutable. What does that mean? He cannot change. That's why we say God is the same what? Yesterday, today, and forever. Well, stop and think for a moment. Stop and think for a moment. The scoffers came by and they started mocking God because they said his coming was delayed, is delayed. It's not here. They doubted, but it is determined. But now it is delayed. That's where we are. His coming is delayed. And very often we have said God has delayed his coming just so that you and I can get a chance to make it to heaven. Isn't that what we say? He has delayed his coming to give us a chance. Now let me challenge that thinking. If God 
knows everything, does that mean he knows exactly when he will come? Does that mean he has a date and a time when he will come? Yes, it does. In our world, every year in the entire world, every year, approximately 140 million babies are born every year. We pluck a text out from Matthew and say, when this gospel of the kingdom is preached in all the world, what will happen? Then shall the end come. We'll just stop and think about a moment. If 140 million babies are born a year, and 55 million people die every year, that means we have a surplus of 8 to 5 million people every year. So if God is delaying his coming for you and I, what's happening to the people being born every day? In other words, it simply means that God has already established a time when he will come. And this notion that somehow he is not coming, I think we need to remove the word too. He's not coming so that I can have a chance to do X, Y. It's not so that I can do something. What I can say is that while he is delayed, I can utilize that time to make it right with him. It's not that he's delaying so that I can have that time. While he is delayed, I can use that time wisely to be closer to Jesus Christ. This idea that when a person commits a sin, God is delaying his coming just so that person can be saved is not biblical. He cannot be omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent, and immutable, and that be a fact. So what you and I can do is that while he is delayed, we can spend the time wisely. But when we are trying to make people feel guilty by telling them God is delaying just for you, we have 140 million babies born every year, four babies per second in the world. So what is Peter saying? Peter is saying, don't look at the delay and conclude that he is slack concerning his promises. Because that's what men say. He's slack. He's not doing what he said he would do. Well, we are considered slack if we do not do our business. That's a word we should never ascribe to God. God's timing is always perfect. Delay is my word. It is not God's word. We can't delay God. And I know what I'm talking about because I used to preach it. I had a chart showing people where the gospel is traveling. And when it reaches this place, God will come. God says, no. Don't deal with save the date. We've had people saving the date. This church... The Seventh-day Adventist Church came out of the great disappointment of 1844. People looked dates and they decided, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. 
Here is where I think God wants us today. God wants us not to be like the scoffers in Peter's day. Who said, well, we doubt he's coming. Because the very Bible says <laughs> that time for us is not counted the way God counts time. A day can be what? A thousand years. A day can be a thousand years. So if it's been 2,000 years since Jesus made the promise, it could only be two days. Adam lived for 935 years. That means he never lived a day. He never lived a day in God's counting. Adam never lived the whole day. We need to refrain from thinking of God the way we think of ourselves. So, here's what I'm saying today. Instead of saving the date, let us save the promise. The promise is, I will come again. And receive you unto myself. That where I am. That's where you will be also. So whether Christ's coming is delayed or not. Is irrelevant to me. I must wake up every morning. With the promise. Don't be caught up. With, with, like the scoffers. Where he hasn't come as yet. Because once we begin to think like that, we become discouraged. This morning, I want us to be encouraged that Jesus Christ is coming again. That's what the world needs to hear. Yes, we have mess on the border. Yes, we have political mess in this country. And I have been guilty at times of being caught up. But I need to recalibrate and refocus that Jesus is coming again. We need to have more messages on the promise of Jesus. And since Jesus is immutable and God cannot lie, when he says something, I got to believe it. He says, let not your heart be troubled. We wake up in the morning being troubled. Troubled by family problems. Troubled by financial problems. Troubled by work problems. Troubled by people problems. But God says, let not your heart be troubled. And then he says, if you believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. In other words, stop worrying. God says, I got you. Doesn't mean we don't have problems. But my focus is going to be on the promise. And so our world is being blind in clear light. The light of God's word. Nothing can be clearer than the word of God. Jesus came in the flesh and he walked among men. 
And what was amazing, while he was walking among men, there were people looking for him, but they didn't know he was there. Because of their focus. We ought not to be blind in the clear light. In Peter's day, his coming was doubted. But Peter reminds us that it was determined. And even though it is delayed, delay is man's concept. It is not God's. As far as God is concerned, Adam never even lived a day. Stop thinking of God in our context. And let us remember, don't worry about saving the date. Save the promise. 